the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, Chief Market Analyst. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, just want to throw it out there to make you real and human. I saw a picture on Facebook of you and your family, adorable family, getting into the holiday spirits. It's, um, it's, it's really warming to see a nice thing like that. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I guess I could add to that that uh, on the warming standpoint, it was really warm in Chicago when we took that picture, so um, it was uh, ridiculously warm, if you will, in the 60s in uh, December, and of course that, I guess, could be a good segue into our market discussion, just talking about the idea that those warm temperatures continue to weigh on uh, on energy prices. Uh, yes, let's do that. Warm temperatures, um, winter, and oil and energy, and I think oil dropped below $35 a barrel the other day, and when I saw that headline, I was like, that can't be good. What, what's your thoughts on, on oil being where it is at this point in time? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, Rob, how our kind of how our mindset has shifted from the early part of the year now to the end of the year. You know, you just said, you know, drop below 35 bucks can't be good, but... You know, we were all saying uh, in early 2015 how oil coming down from 100 to 90 to 80 to 70 to 60, (laughs) that it was a good thing, right? Um, And it is, you know, uh, underlying everything. I mean, it certainly is is better for the consumer, all things equal, uh, that they're paying less of the gas, less for heating oil and uh, and the like. Um, but at the same time, if you're paying more for health care and more for rent, uh, it kind of cancels itself out, uh, those savings there. And, and so you're not seeing that big economic uh, uh, benefit that, uh, you know, many of us thought that we, that we might see. Um, and that's been certainly disappointing in the grand scheme of things here. And, and it's partly, you know, one of the drivers behind why uh, GDP growth still hasn't sort of, you know, broken out. Uh, we're just kind of still trudging along here around, you know, between 2 2.5% GDP growth. Uh, not terrible, but certainly not great in light of everything that the Fed has done up to this point and uh, how, far we out, how far out we are now from the, um, from the financial crisis. But, um, but it can say that, you know, consumers, the balance sheets are in better shape. There's no question about it. Um, if we could only get some real, you know, some better income growth now, 
paired with that, we might see consumers less inclined to save and, and start spending a little bit more, which would then help drive stronger levels of, of economic activity. But we're looking for wage growth, and we're looking for continued employment solid numbers, but isn't the Fed kind of declaring victory on the economic recovery by raising interest rates, which are only expected tomorrow, not definitive? Mm-hmm. But doesn't that say that, you know, maybe they should wait a little bit till we get those wait, that wage inflation that you're calling for or asking for or wanting? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the great debate right now, uh, right? I mean, there is, um, you know, I think the Fed is, is, is in a position where it frankly just desperately wants to have some interest rate room uh, in the event it needs to maneuver in the face of an economic downturn. It doesn't have that right now. Um, the Fed over uh, this, Odyssey, um, you know, has changed the tone of its communication, its guidance um, <clears throat> uh, several times. You know, it started out as being calendar-based, and when sort of things weren't looking so great at the time, they thought they could raise rates. Well, then they went to a strongly data-based uh, driven policy, and and uh, they were harping particularly on improvement in the labor market and, you know, and uh, signs that inflation was picking up toward the long-run target of 2% really didn't get all of that, certainly on the inflation side, and so then they, they turned to be a little bit more qualitative. So instead of looking for the hard data that uh, verified that they had, you know, were hitting that long-run target, now they just want to be reasonably confident that they can, you know, they're making progress toward that long-run target. So, uh, you know, there are a number of uh, items out there that I think, you know, make for a very spirited debate as to why the Fed, you know, maybe shouldn't raise rates. Uh, on Wednesday, and by the same token, you know why they could, you know, um, you know, one being just the risk of financial imbalances building the longer that they hold at the zero bound, <clears throat> and the other uh, line of thinking uh, that's been put out there by some Fed officials is that, look, you know, we're not in a an emergency economic situation today like we were, you know, in 2008, early 2009, and therefore you don't need to have emergency, uh, you know, monetary policy conditions in place, and so. So there's some validity on you know to that argument certainly, um, but you know the real curious thing here is going to be you know what does ultimately unfold here after the Federal Reserve you know does start down the path toward raising interest rates and the market really the way it's behaving of late I think doesn't really know you know what the outcome is going to be and that's why you've had just this tremendous you know back and forth action uh, in recent months and it's probably something we're likely going to have to be stuck with uh, into 2016. As a betting man, I'm not a betting man, but if I were a betting man, the the gambler inside me says oil's had just this horrific fall, pretty historic on some levels from where it was a couple of years ago at $150 a barrel. Wouldn't it make sense of you and I who've been in this business a while to talk to each other and say, probably can't go to zero. So when do we nibble at oil? Um, with a three-year time horizon, do you do it now? With a five-year time horizon, do you do it now? If is is there a, a balance of getting in a little bit now and wait for it to fall a little bit more? Is there a strategy that you would throw out? Yeah, well, I think you know that is the operative word being uh, nibble. Um, you know, okay. if you have that longer term time horizon, you know, yeah, maybe you do start to nibble here a little bit. Um, you know, the thing to uh, to remember though uh, here is that I mean, you've got inventories that are. You know they're like near 80-year highs right now, and okay. and that's a 
you know, just the laws of economics, the whole supply-demand situation here is not very favorable uh, for there to be a real, uh, you know, sustainable material increase at this point. And that's, you know, before Iran and, you know, has come back fully online with its oil. And, and we certainly have seen, you know, OPEC sort of embrace this, you know, uh, policy of, you know, of creative destruction, you know, just in terms of driving prices down and, and boosting supply to a point where they have to, you know, send those marginal producers out of business before you can get a real bottom here. Um, you know, we did we saw oil prices, what, 10, 12 bucks a barrel back in the late 1990s. And so, um, so they can certainly still go, you know, considerably lower given the supply situation we're in. But you're going to have this ongoing question of have we hit bottom, and you're going to see these sharp spikes followed by big sell-offs, and, but, you know, and, and you just don't really know here. You don't have a – I don't think there's really any strong signs yet that suggest that we have hit a bottom. So you're going to have tradable rallies, and they're probably going to sell into that strength, uh, knowing that there is such an over, uh, you know, supply situation here, and, and uh, we need to see more people, more of these companies probably go belly up and, you know, see the rig count continue to come down and, and start seeing uh, – consistent declines in weekly uh, oil inventories before there's uh, some real uh, budding uh, faith in this idea that we have hit a bottom. So if you're going to play this oil, uh, if you have a longer-term time horizon, you only want to nibble here because I think it's too soon to, like, go in, you know, very heavily with this idea that we've hit bottom and and there's a lot of money to be made here in the short term, which there probably uh, is not, that being over the next year or so. As a market analyst, I'm talking with Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, group that I've been working with, I've been paying for for 15 years. It's an amazing website, lots of research, good, credible stuff. Um, as, an, as an analyst, as a strategist, as a guy who's been around the block a little bit, do you play into the dogs of the Dow theory? Do you play into, like today, Los Angeles schools are closed after a safety threat? Maybe I'll go buy Smith & Wesson, or maybe I'll go buy... Um, so, you know, the Santa Claus rally, some of the, you know, sell in May and go away, some of the maxims that are out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are those are maxims, I think, that are largely reserved for, for traders. Um, okay. And, you know, bear in mind that no two years are alike. Um, you know, there's historical data that does suggest that, you know, the, the Santa Claus rally period, which is the last five trading days of the year, the first two of the new year, tend to be favorable. And, and so... A lot depends on what the mood of the market is going into that period to help support that, you know, that maxim. Um, you know, keep in mind, too, the month of December is known as one of the best months for the market, and we certainly haven't done so hot so far. Um, so you just don't, you know, it's going to differ from year to year. Um, uh, and so I think those types of maxims are, are best reserved in terms of how you're playing them, only if you have a, a trader's mindset. And uh, But if you have an investor mindset, probably better off sticking to the broader fundamentals uh, that drive stock prices and, and you know, staking your claims uh, from that standpoint. We're almost out of time, but is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to get out to the listeners? Well, I am going to be publishing my uh, 2016 market view um, on Friday. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in the interview, I, I think we could be in for somewhat of a sloppy year um, uh, that, you know, mirrors somewhat what we've been seeing here in recent months with a lot of uh, big moves up and and selling into that strength uh, as we try to deal with this inflection point that we're hitting with respect to monetary policy. Thanks very much, Patrick. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. 
You can find him online at briefing.com. I start my morning every single day with his writings. Um, and again, I saw him on Facebook the other day, for the fir- his family for the first time. I was like, it was warming. So human connections are, are nice. Anyway, you can find him at briefing.com. There's a lot of writers, a lot of stories, a lot of trends, a lot of ideas there. Uh, by all means, it'll help and complement your research and not replace your research. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.